Welcome to Go and Make from the Archdiocese of St. Louis, equipping you to live the great commission of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. All right, welcome back to the next episode of Go and Make. I am really excited for this week's episode because we have one of my favorite people in all of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Now, Hopefully she won't tell anyone else that she's my favorite. No one else is listening, right? We have Jennifer Brinker, who Hello. is a, uh, not a columnist, a writer for the uh, St. Louis Review, right? St. Louis Review and Catholic St. Louis Magazine. Yeah, and I thought it would be so cool to talk to you today just because I think you have probably one of the most unique perspectives on the Archdiocese of St. Louis because you cover the Catholic news and you have talked to probably more people than anyone about their experience of the Catholic Church. You've covered the highs and the lows and kind of walk with people in and out of their, their daily journey of what it means to be Catholic. And then you get to try and share that as a kind of a message of hope oftentimes for people to try and either have comfort or hope in their own Catholic faith and, and to dive deeper. So it's just so great that you're here today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, you're absolutely right. I feel incredibly blessed that over the last 25 years, I've been able to walk with people and tell their stories and from so many different perspectives, you know, within our Catholic faith. So it's been a pure joy really to be doing this and to continue to do this. One of the things we do on this show, pretty much every episode is I love to hear people talk about their own, just their own faith story. So um, a little bit of you, maybe like your conversion or deeper call or whatever it is, but you've been here for a long time at the Archdiocese at the St. Louis Review. So can you just maybe tell us a little bit about your own faith story growing up, how you've kind of come to know Jesus and really how uh, covering the news, we'll talk more about this, but covering the news has really shaped your own perspective on faith. So tell me the, the Jennifer Brinker story, like a good journalist, right? <laughs> yes, the, the unbiased story here. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, you know, it's interesting. So I... I grew up Catholic and uh, attended Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, um, and then I went off to college, and that was a real pivotal moment for me. Um, it was a new, big world, and um, to be quite honest, I fell away from my faith, and um, you know, I didn't recognize um, the significance of it at that time, um, but. Coming out of college, um, my parents actually told me about uh, an opening for an internship at the St. Louis Review. I was very familiar with it. We got it at home. Um, and I applied, and they took a chance and hired me. And that that was that was my path back to the back, church. Right, you weren't yeah. really practicing at that point. Yeah. You were a journalism student at mm -hmm. Mizzou, Mizzou right? uh -huh. the best journalism school in the country, right? Yeah, That's what yeah, I understand yeah. anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is the best. So. That's right. Nothing but the finest. But yeah, you weren't you weren't actively going to the Newman Center practicing your faith, but you saw no, I wasn't. an opportunity and jumped into it, and the Lord has used that yeah. over the years. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Um, and in some ways, I feel that I've gained a much larger spiritual family um, through the people that I've encountered through this work over the years. Um, I've learned a lot. And and what's really cool is that, you know, even though I had the experience of my childhood parish growing up and, you know, we were kind of one like small community, I feel like in this role, I've been able to, to gain a much bigger faith community um, that I really appreciated, you know, just in people's perspectives and, you know, how they worship. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's all over the place from city to rural to county. Um, 
you know, I just, I really appreciated the perspectives and how much I've learned through the people that I've interviewed over the years. And as we, you know, the one goal of this podcast, right, is to help us go and make disciples and understand mm-hmm. our own story and the stories of the church and how that happens. And, yeah. and I think that a lot of times, um, we get caught in this vision of like my experience of the church is what the church is. Mm-hmm. And again, your experience has not been that because your experience is looking into the faith lives of so many different people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I always talk about world youth day as like really pivotal moments to understand mm-hmm. just how big the church is. You go to a world youth day, you're there, you know, the, the last one I was at was in, um, I went to Poland, but the one I'm thinking of is, is Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. And you have 3 million people together on a beach with the Pope and with Jesus in the Eucharist. And you go to things like that and you just realize that the way I practice my faith is not, isn't the way that everyone else practices their faith too. And, and there's something to learn from everyone and that the people in, right. in Europe or Africa or the people you get to talk to, like they have these beautiful devotions and mm-hmm. faith lives. Mm-hmm. And my experience of suburban <laughs> American Catholicism yeah. is, is good. And it's actually, it's been really good for me and my soul, but it's not the only way. No, no. And I, one of the things that I truly enjoy doing is sometimes when um, work calls me to a different parish, you know, maybe for a mass on, on Sunday. Um, I love when I have the opportunity to bring my kids with me when it's appropriate. Um, so they can see other parts of this archdiocese and how people live their faith through that. Yeah, it is a big church. And that idea that, you know, when I interview people to work at the archdiocese, I talk about, we have to serve people of all charisms of all perspectives and things that our jobs to serve, in some way, every parish of the archdiocese, and we have parishes that are more traditional. We have some that are more oriented towards service and social justice. We really have everything in between. We have the charismatics, and you have you know all these different kind of expressions of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And our job is to try to find a way to help all of those people fall deeper in love with Jesus and to make his name known throughout all the nations. So yeah, your, your perspective of going to the different parts of the archdiocese, the rural, the rural parts and, um, the urban parts. I mean, just, you see the, you see the poverty, you see, uh, some of the nice benefit dinners or things like that, but those, those funds go to serve other folks as well too. Sure. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, even outside of, you know, the context of liturgy, you know, just thinking about, um, you know, the different ways in which people, um, I think really try to intern they're becoming closer to Jesus, but they're also sharing that face of Christ with others. And so it's things outside of the church walls, too, that, um, you know, I've really enjoyed telling um, stories. Um, I just, in fact, I just interviewed a daughter of charity, Sister Carol Schumer. Um, for 24 years, she has served as a parenting skills specialist with the Fathers and Family Support Center. It is a nonprofit organization, it's not a church run organization, um, but it's a center where um, they offer various programs for men who are learning to become more involved in the lives of their children. And here's this. Catholic sister among these men. Yeah, getting their hands dirty. Yeah, right? you know, um, it's it's just really inspiring to see. And she brings faith into that. You know, she's not afraid to bring that into the setting. Um, you know, they pray together. Um, she talks to the men about becoming closer with, and in that environment, she says higher power, but, you know, to be more connected with God. Um, she's not afraid to talk about God. Um, so it's just really inspiring to see like 
those examples where people are ministering outside of the church walls, you know, um, and hopefully drawing people closer to Jesus in, in that regard. So, yeah, the uh, the word evangelization, right, comes from evangelion, right? The word is gospel, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it really means it means good news. Mm-hmm. And um, in in ancient times, this uh, a, a herald would go forth, a carex would go forth into the Roman Empire. And if Rome had won a victory over someone else, they would go forth and proclaim on the roads the victories of Rome. They would they would make a proclamation, right? This is like the word kerygma we talk about. They would proclaim the good news of the victories of Rome. So we mm-hmm. talk about um, that's been like something that the church, you know, we, we use those words and we have a lot of Roman structures in our church and things like that. But really from the very beginning of time and in the very history of the church, we've been all about just telling the good news. And so it's where we get that word, but it's also just the reality that the word became flesh and was good news to each and every one of us. So it's, it's really cool to be able to see in those news stories, again, and, and evangelization takes so many different shapes and forms. And it, it, it can be that which is maybe like a more slow burn to earn. Like we talk about the thresholds of conversion, like that's earning trust. And that's meeting like pre-evangelization is meeting someone's human needs while we show them the love of Christ so we can eventually proclaim to them the gospel as well. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the word trust and that is something that, um, you know, I think so important as a reporter, you know, I'm coming into people's lives that I've never met before. And, and yes, I, there are some stories that we've done with sources that I've worked with, you know, over the years, but oftentimes you're encountering new people. And so you have to build that trust and, and to be able to show them that I'm not just simply a reporter, I'm Catholic first and then a reporter. And I am here to tell a little bit of a different story than you might see in like another newspaper or on TV, um, you know, really trying to tell those stories of faith. So I think one of the challenges is, um, you know, there's so many people that uh, have just such a great sense of humility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, and they tell their stories. Yeah, and 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 it's a challenge, you know, to get them to open up to to tell their stories. And I respect that deeply. You know, people who they're doing it for the love of Jesus. They're not, you know, doing something because they're looking for accolades or attention. Um, but my hope at the end of the day is that those stories, um, you know, when they allow us to come into their lives and, and tell those stories, that they're inspiring to others and, you know, just to want to do better in the world. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I think that a lot of journalists, of course, um, they just want to report the news, right? Like mm-hmm. fair and balanced or, or whatever sure. you know, catchphrase yeah. or slogan. Yeah, they yeah. give just yeah. one, right? But like they just want to go in and they want to tell the news and they don't want to necessarily try to make the reader think or feel a certain way. They don't want to draw their own conclusions and things mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. it would be understandable if a journalist didn't see themselves as, quote, an evangelist or someone mm-hmm. who's going out to try to, to to tell the story in a certain way. But but for us, it's it's rooted in our faith and who we are that shapes the way that we tell those stories. So again, we're not like, you can't force a conversion. You can't force someone to believe. You can't ever force the good news on someone. We, we propose, not impose, is something mm-hmm. we talk about regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where it's really important that the people who do jobs that might seem administrative in the church or might not seem like evangelization types of jobs... It's actually really important that they have this their own interior life and their own um, 
that they've been evangelized in some ways because it shapes the way that you receive and understand and tell that story, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And maybe even could you share, I'll put you on the spot just a little bit, but (laughs) like early in your career when maybe you were still kind of seeking that out, like, have you seen, can you tell the difference in the way that you look at the news, share the news, hear the stories and what you're trying to like Hmm. give to the reader? Cause you understand maybe how it's moved something in your own heart and your own life. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like in, in the beginning that, you know, the, especially the first years, I feel like I was such an open book and so willing to receive, um, you know, I, this is such a minor story, but it's one that sits with me still to this day. Um, I remember years ago as when I was just first started at the newspaper, I had covered um, the Marion Conference. There's a Marion Conference that's been going on in, in St. Louis for a long time. And I will never forget, I walked past this table and there were several Catholics sitting there and they had all these like books and pamphlets. And somebody stopped me and said, do you know anything about the Divine Mercy devotion? And I said, no. (laughs) And I ended up spending two hours just sitting with them talking about St. Faustina, the devotion to Divine Mercy. Um, And that to me, like, I think just that willingness and vulnerability, you know, just to hear what people have to say. And of course, you've kind of got to sort through and know what's good to print and what's not, (laughs) you know, not everything is, but, (laughs) but, you know, it's, it's just a small example of how, you know, you just, you have to have this willingness to be open. Um, And I still feel like I carry that with me to this day, you know, where I feel like there are some weeks where it's like, Oh gosh, we've covered that so many times, you know. Story. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? Yeah. But I also try to think of the dear reader that, you know, maybe they've never seen that story, you know, so maybe it's not new for me. Um, but even within those situations where, you know, it's something that I may have covered before or interviewed this same person before, um, there's always something new to learn, you know. So I still try to keep myself kind of like that open book, that vulnerability, you know, just to let people speak and I receive and... Well, it's just like when you when you pray with the scripture, you do Lexio Divina on a passage you've done right. it with a number. I mean, my favorite, I do it all the time. It's uh, the road to Emmaus is like one of my favorite stories yeah, yeah. in the gospel. Anyone who's worked with me or been on staff with me like knows that like if I'm leading a development day, there's probably going to be some kind of reference to the road to Emmaus. Yeah, yeah. And every darn time I read that thing for the hundredth time when we do Lexio on it, it strikes me in some kind of different way because you know, the word of God and that truth is unchanging, but I've changed and I'm in a different spot and I can receive. Yeah. And I think, again, it's another really great, like, point to think about when we go out to evangelize and to share the good news is, you know, we can't assume anything about anyone in yeah. their, and where they are in their faith journey, right? Sherry right. Liddell, you know, never accept mm-hmm. a label in place of a story. And I think sometimes it's not even just like, okay, maybe we've labeled them a little bit, and we don't give them credit for their ability to move and change and convert. And, um, you know, just life happens and you don't know what the little spark is inside of someone mm-hmm. that's going to help them be more open to mm-hmm. receiving the word at this particular moment. You know, St. Right. Augustine, um, intellectually convinced of the truth of the church and for years probably before he actually just for whatever reason, there was an openness to the Holy Spirit and he heard take and read and he read that passage and his life was changed because of whatever yeah. openness had been there. He probably had read that before, right. but it didn't strike him in that way. Right. So, yeah. so retelling the stories I think is really an important, important yeah. piece of the puzzle. Right. Yeah. And things can change within, you know, people 
that you've interviewed before, you know, um, just where they are at in their faith journey. You know, if you've, I, you know, I can think of some examples of people that I've interviewed when they were younger, you know, maybe young adults, and now they're married with children, you know, and so like just their perspectives and, um, you know, how they live their faith may have changed. So... So you actually came to the Archdiocese, too, at a really interesting time as an intern. There was something kind of big going on. Like the first thing you got to cover, really, as an intern was what? Uh, the Pope John Paul II's visit to St. Louis. 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So even as a summer intern, we knew that he was coming. So this had already been long in the works. And so it was it, it was an exciting time because I came in and, you know, there was a special, like a whole special, like almost like book that was created, um, you know, in honor of his visit um, prior to the visit. And then, yeah, like right after I graduated in December, <laughs> I came back in January, um, actually as, as an employee and covered his visit. Um, and it was such an exciting time for the church. And it's so cool now to see... Um, you know, some of the people who were involved then and how that's changed their lives. Um, hello, yeah, you. Right, exactly. That was my kind of big <laughs> you're conversion a great, moment. Exactly. Yeah, you're a great example of that, Brian. Yeah. So, um, so that was just an exciting time. And it's just so neat to see, like, how that visit is referenced, um, you know, how it shaped um, youth ministry, especially. Yeah, um, exploded had a, after yeah, that in St. Absolutely, us. yeah. So it was just really kind of neat to see the ripple effects of just those two short days, you know, in January of 1999 and, and what our church is like today because of that. Yeah, actually, I have uh, words from his visit framed on my bedroom wall in my... Uh, 13-year-old daughter was just in, in our room talking to us last night. I said, Rose, can you can you read me what that says on the wall? Because I couldn't like see it from afar. Yeah, and yeah. I was just, for whatever reason, like just yesterday, I was just reflecting on these words. You know, it's like the the church needs you. The Pope believes in you. He's calling you to great things. And we're all mm -hmm. called to say, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. And yeah. so just like for me, like that's on my wall because it's become like a mission statement almost. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the exact phrasing of it, right? And then yeah, yeah. it was yeah. like a little bit of a ploy to get her to read it and start to think about it too. You right, know? It's yeah. Like you, walk, it's, you know, you walk by it a million times and don't think about it, right? Right, but yeah. I was like, I want you to know that the Lord has a plan for you too. Like, right. So really the fruits of that visit and are just like un, unnumberable. You can't even think about it. unfathomable how much that has changed and shaped the archdiocese. Here. Yeah. And, you know, even though I was not present for the youth rally, I had um, other assignments. I got actually, I got to get on the bus at like two in the morning There's to go. There's got to be some cool behind the scenes oh, stories. Oh, yeah. 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 From that, right? yeah. <laughs> actually, no, I do. I'll get to that later. But okay. yeah, I do have a kind of a fun story with that. Um, but the youth rally, I mean, so many people that I know that attended that talked about just the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that there was, was it. just something extraordinary, I think, that happened, especially on that particular event. Um, I mean, there were so many grace-filled moments throughout the whole visit, but that one in particular, like, I just, I keep hearing from people about how, <clears throat> you know, it was just, I don't know, it was just extraordinary. It was something that was like almost, I don't want to say supernatural. No, but just, it absolutely was yeah. supernatural. I mean, so I have the footage of it. I got it from yeah. archives. So I like, nice. what, yeah. one of these fun like, yeah. kind of perks of the job, right? But like I have yeah. a video footage of my conversion. Now I'm not pictured. I don't, yeah. I'm in the crowd somewhere. You're somewhere, yeah. But <laughs> And I've watched it back and it's special and it's beautiful. But of course, watching it can't match like what the spirit was doing in that moment. Yeah. So you can watch it back. This is kind of wild. Like you can watch it back and be like, 
that was it. That was why, you know, I mean, it was cool, but like yeah. that was what captured your heart and, mm-hmm. and converted you. Yeah. And I think that's another great um, thing to think about in terms of like what we communicate in good news. It's mm-hmm. we communicate a, a person and a relationship. It's not mm-hmm. just the message. Like yeah. the message is important and we want to proclaim good message and articulate mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and as convincing as we can. But even if whatever we put in print, whatever, it's if it doesn't communicate the person yeah. of Jesus who is dynamic and the Holy Spirit who is dynamic, mm-hmm. and that's what actually changes hearts and lives more than just like getting the answer right or saying it just the right way too, right. which is kind of cool. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to the visit, um, there was a, another young reporter and I who were assigned to cover the bus ride to the mass at the Trans World Dome. And so we each picked a family from different parts of the archdiocese, um, and we met with them at their house. It was probably, I think, around two in the morning. Um, so I remember this family, um, you know, they had little kids, and it was one of those, like, super early, like, you know. 2 a.m. is a heavy lift for, it is for a, Especially kids. When, yeah. young, when you have young kids. So, yeah. And then there was a meeting point where everybody got on these school buses, and then they were taken over to the dome. So that way they could kind of, you know, with just parking and all that, they didn't have to worry about that. So that was our job, was to tell the story. It was a tale of two buses actually. So the other reporter and I, we just kind of shared the perspective of these families as they were getting there. So our job was finished when the mass began. Um, We had another reporter actually covering the mass. And so we were expected to leave the dome and go back to the office to file our stories. That's so, no fun. Yeah. Well, it was it was kind of a bummer, but it was duty calls. It yeah, right. Turns out to be kind of a funny story because as we were exiting the dome, we went out what we thought was a back entrance, and we walked right into a group of Secret Service agents, and it was a secure area <laughs> where we were not supposed to be. <laughs> well, it wasn't secure anymore if you were there. It wasn't exactly, yeah. exactly. So they were so kind, but it was just—it was just pretty funny how we came out, and there were these guys in suits with like the earpieces and the big Giving aviator sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were thankfully so friendly, and they were like. Unfortunately, you're in the wrong spot, but they got us to the right spot. But it's just something that I was, was thinking it was going to be the Pope was like right there. Oh, yeah, you know, that would right. have been super cool. But just one yeah, waiting to shake your hand. Right. Probably, yeah. Just, right. You know, <laughs> that's what I would, would have done. Yeah, yeah. Right. So but we had we had a fun encounter with some Secret Service agents. So yeah. it was kind of fun. And really, I'm sure, you know, that's one of the big highlight moments. But mm-hmm. maybe share some of your favorite stories you've covered. And it could be something big like that. But also sometimes, you know, again, the faith is just lived in the day to day, seemingly mundane. So yeah. what are maybe some of the favorite like stories you've covered and ways that you've kind of seen yeah. the gospel lived throughout the archdiocese? You know, there are a couple of magazine stories. And um, these are stories that were in Catholic St. Louis magazine. Kinda. Yeah, that really just were very, I think, moving. Um, one was an example of um, uh, people coming into the church. Uh, This was at Holy Rosary Parish in Warrington, and I believe you had... Father Vortreed yeah. on, uh, who yeah. was the pastor at the Our time. highest ranking episode yeah. ever, Father Tom Vortreed. Yeah, there you go, go Father Tom. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, he had reached out and he said, I just wanted to let you know that we have, I think it was 24 people who were coming into the church at Easter. This was this past year. 
I thought, wow, that's, I think, kind of unusual. for yeah. yeah, especially for a smaller parish. Country, the edge of the archdiocese, last stop before you hit Jeff City Diocese. Right, yeah. yeah. So he invited us to come out, and it was just inspiring um, to hear people's stories of why they desired to be part of the church. Um, there was a whole team effort. You know, um, I think a lot of people at the parish will say, oh, it was all Father Tom's doing. Um, but honestly, That's, it was it, him and... Yeah, he said it was a team effort. Exactly. The principal really, and everybody else were all on board and making yeah, invitations. And, absolutely. Yeah. And they had um, a deacon who, I mean, no holds barred, like he was really teaching the faith um, to these folks um, at their catechesis sessions, um, which I got to sit in on. Um, but just, you know, hearing people's stories, um, in particular, there was one young man um, who shared a story. He had lost a sibling in a car accident, and then his um, grandfather had passed away as well, kind of all in a relatively short period of time. And I think it was through that and then his then fiance that really kind of called him home to the church. So hearing people's stories in that way and just how life events have moved them to think, I think, more deeply about their faith, um, that to me, like, I love telling those kind of stories, you know, so um, covering events and being at places, but just hearing people's stories and how they desire the church and to be closer to Jesus, I think that's where, you know, the real heart of all of this lies. Um, there's another story that we just published on um, a local Catholic, Ann Whitman, um, who founded a nonprofit called Humankind STL. Um, and this came on the heels of her desire to help um, newly arriving families, um, mostly from Afghanistan. Um, she had seen something on social media. She was really discerning, like what she wanted to do in the next chapter of her life. Like her kids were, you know, kind of fully invested in school. And she's like, do I go get a job? Do I do, you know, do something else with my life? And she saw this need um, to help, you know, families as they were just settling here. Um, so she did that. And she really walked the walk you know she did the heavy lifting and you know taking a father to get his driver's license test helping people get set up on insurance um, finding um, appliances you know um, even just dealing with you know rent and and getting the kids you know enrolled in school um, and she's taken that to the next step here and has founded a nonprofit, um, and she continues to do that work with the help of so many other Catholics from this archdiocese. So again, like the ripple effects of just what one person can do, I think is a very inspiring story to tell. Yeah, and again, we're meeting their their human needs and showing them the love of Jesus and, and then just sharing, literally sharing the gospel with these these yeah, different people. And yeah. it just takes on, again, it takes on so many different shapes and sizes and it takes everyone doing their part. I was kind of, I had this little reflection recently about uh, the mosaics in the cathedral and that oh, like evangelization yeah. is a lot like a mosaic, right? Like yeah. everyone's got, uh, is their own little piece, probably different shapes and colors, but when you put it all together, it makes a beautiful work of art. Right. And that if we can all just be comfortable with who we are and what we are and our role we have to play, 
then we're going to be more successful and more fruitful in our work of evangelization of of inviting people in. So. Right. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because every time you go to the cathedral, you see something new. You always see that overwhelming bigger picture of the beauty of the mosaics as a whole. But every time I go in and I see just a small detail, and I, I guess you could correlate that with the work that we do at, at the review, um, you know, is just finding those small pieces and bringing them to light and sharing those stories. And hopefully at the end of the day, it will inspire just like all the beautiful mosaics together at the cathedral. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great transition point just to really talk about just the virtue of hope. You know, and I mm-hmm. think that's the business you guys are in almost more than anything sometimes yeah. is just you are uh, merchants of hope. You're just trying to give people a reason because um, the rest of the news, so <laughs> the news that you tell is often so different than the rest of the news we see in the world. And then it's all right. doom and gloom. You know, you turn on mm-hmm. the nightly news in St. Louis and it's who got mm-hmm. shot where and, and what kind of right. crime is going on. And they're working hard on it, but it's a hard thing to fix, you know, and sure all these things and you turn the national news and the world's in chaos and, and where do you turn to get good news? Right. And we turn to the gospel, but mm-hmm. also just to see people living the gospel mm-hmm. day in, day out. And, mm-hmm. and so many of us can just go through life with our head down, doing our thing. You go to work, you do your job, you come home, you go to your mass on Sunday or whatever. And mm-hmm. you don't realize how, how the Lord is moving. Right. And I think when we see how the Lord is moving in other people's lives, then that can inspire us to to find a way to make him move in our own lives too. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because even with all of the things that are happening in our community at large, um, you know, the things that you see reported on in, you know, the newspaper or on TV, um, you know, we're not, we don't shy away from approaching those things, but we're also telling it from a different perspective too. We're finding we're where Jesus really is present in all of this, um, where the faith is present in this. Um, so like a, an example from years ago, um, you know, we, we know about um, the uh, nuclear waste that's been disposed of. We discovered there were a group of Catholic sisters that were very involved in trying to um, raise awareness of this. I think for many of us, and myself included, I grew up in North County, um, you know, I was always aware of it. People in that area have always been aware of it. Um, but it, it really, um, there was a national spotlight, you know, several years ago that, that kind of fell upon what was going on there. And these Catholic sisters, the Franciscan Sisters of Mary, were very involved um, in trying to get the word out. They were trying to support um, Just Moms, um, who were, you know, they were lobbying um, in D.C. to, you know, change what was happening there. Um, and so, you know, these are real world things that are happening, but yet where's the faith in this? And so we try to seek out those pieces and bring those to light. So I think it's kind of a unique part of the job. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, and, and what is hope except that like proceeding through difficult times, knowing that Christ has already won the victory. Right. So right. we have all these hard things that can happen in life, but we know that we're actually part of a different story. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger story. And it's a story that uh, that we have a part to play in. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really cool too. That yeah. like it's not it's not a spectator sport. That, right. Yeah. That we can make a difference in the world and we can make a difference in someone's eternal life right. as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. Very Thank cool. you. Yeah. So if you had any just practical tips for people to try to tell their own story or to tell stories of hope, you are a very good 
storyteller. You are an award-winning storyteller, oh. right? I mean, yeah. So so how can you maybe give people some advice or tips on how they can maybe be comfortable sharing their own stories mm. or sharing that or stories of what they see going on in their community? Because I think that's so much of what evangelization is about. It's helping people realize mm. the good that's out there and how Christ is winning. Mm. Good is winning. Yeah, boy, that's, that's a great question. You know, I think first and foremost... Um, I think doing some internal reflection, because like I had mentioned before, so often like people have some really inspiring stories to tell and they're reluctant to do that because they don't want to be seen as vain or, you know, they're trying to be very humble in what they're doing. Um, don't be afraid to share those stories. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe it's not within a newspaper, you know, maybe it's, um, a conversation that you're having with um, a group at your parish or, you know, sitting on the bleachers at, you know, your kid's basketball game, um, you know, just one-on-one -on -one sharing that with somebody. Um, but I think not being afraid and realizing that that whatever it is that may be going on in your life is because of the movement of God through you um, and not just simply you're doing it because you're doing it. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's all motivated by your faith. So I think kind of keeping it in that context and not being afraid is probably, I think that's how I would approach it anyway. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's yeah. really great. I think it's it's helpful because it's like you don't have to have the platform to yeah. do it. Like you have a great platform to tell stories in the St. Louis Review and the mm -hmm. magazine, but, mm -hmm. but we all have more of those. And we, and we have social media and lots of people love posting long stories of sure. what they write on Facebook or whatever, yeah. but like, yeah. but just day to day, yeah. like we have those relationships and mm -hmm. it's going to mean so much more when we tell our story to people who we know and love and, mm -hmm. and are in relationship with. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because so many times I get people that after I we've, written a story about them, they'll come back and say, I can't tell you how many texts or calls I've gotten or emails, you know, and I didn't realize, you know, that like what I it was, was going to have this doing. big of an impact. Yeah, yeah right. right. And so I think that is eye opening for people. And it's in a, a positive way. You know, the responses that they're getting is just, this is so wonderful what you're doing or, you know, whatever. And, and I know, you know, they're not people for the most part are not looking for the accolades, but I think hopefully that in turn will inspire them to keep doing what it is that they're doing um, in their lives. So I don't know. Well, hopefully uh, people leave this episode inspired as well to continue to share the good news, to be people of hopes. Can you just maybe close us in a quick prayer? Oh gosh, how about we say a prayer to our Blessed Mother? Um, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, Amen. And go and make disciples. Amen. Amen.